I remember uh, I was probably a teenager when I first heard uh, Ryan, some girls don't go to college to get a BA degree in journalism or business. Some girls are only at college <laughs> to get an MRS degree. Uh, maybe some of you heard that before. Uh, some girls are just at college. This is what I was told. Because they're looking for a mister to make them a missus. Um, and one day, uh, I was waiting tables in college. And uh, in comes this girl who I had not seen since years before in, when I was in high school. And we were catching up. And she flat out said, I'm out here looking for a godly husband. And she might as well have been speaking Russian <laughs> to me. Um, just with the way that I grew up, like this made no sense to me what she just said. She's looking for a godly husband. I was several months from becoming a Christian in the first place, coming to know God in the first place. I, I, I heard her say this and I thought, what in the world is a godly husband? I knew I wanted to be a husband. But I was troubled by the idea that there was a kind of husband who God approves of. And therefore, there must be a kind of husband that God does not approve of. A kind of husband that God, girls should desire. And also a kind of husband that girls should not desire. I wonder if you've ever been able to relate to that. Men, I, I wonder what comes to your mind when you think about what it means to be a good husband. Surely you've thought about it, especially if you're a husband. Boys, I wonder if you would one day like to be a husband. If you have any more idea than I did of the kind of husband really you better be. Because God will evaluate you one day. Girls, I, I wonder, if you're not yet married, what is it you're thinking about when you think about who you want to marry? Well, marriage is God's idea. It's really common in this world, but God's the one who thought it up. And, and what that means is that only God can tell us how this thing that he came up with can possibly work. And friends, I'm, I'm here to tell you good news that God wrote down his instructions for marriage. He has actually answered the question, what is a godly husband? And to put it simply, it's, it's a husband-like Christ. That's the title of the sermon. A husband like Christ. To just 
add a few more words in a sentence. This is the main point I want you to leave with. And that is that God calls husbands to copy Christ in marriage. God calls husbands to copy Christ in marriage. Or if you can see just what a what a pickle I was in that day when I heard there was such a thing as a godly husband and I had no idea who Christ really was. Well, he's revealed to us in God's word. And there we're going to see God calling husbands to copy Christ in three specific ways. And we'll start in first Peter chapter three and verse seven. First Peter three and verse seven, where we'll see the first way we're to copy Christ, and that is to learn like Christ. A husband like Christ will learn like Christ. First Peter three, verse seven says, likewise, husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. It's that word understanding I'm focusing on. He goes on to say showing, this is how we show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Verse 7, uh, it starts with this word likewise. It, it's calling us back to the end of chapter 2. If you just glance in chapter 2, verse 21, we're told there that Christ, Jesus Christ, while he was here on earth, left us an example with this purpose from God that we would follow in his steps. And, and we're giving, we're given one example of how we are to follow in his steps. Specifically, husbands are called to copy. Christ's steps in this way. Verse 7 says to live with our wives in an understanding way. Or shorten it to learn like Christ. What is it that the... Worldly husbands out there joke about whenever they get together. They all share their wisdom as they're frustrated in marriage. And they'll tell one another, oh man, you try to understand women. Well, you might as well try to get the color red out of a rainbow. It ain't going to happen. That's probably the best joke I've got today, guys. Look, I, that is, that is as good as it's going to get. I was going to say men may be a bit slow on the uptake and understanding women. I'm wondering if you're slow on the uptake or if I'm slow on the uptake and preaching the sermon. Um, but. Husbands, God does not call us to understand women. He calls you and me to understand your woman, my woman. And in that way, show her honor. Brother, if, if you're married, you need to learn how 
to honor your wife. The other night, Kelly and I were watching a movie and she wounded me. You wounded me, babe. You wounded me. Uh, she said, can we not watch this movie? <laughs> I said, what? Uh, you don't want to watch this shoot 'em up spy film? And she said, nah. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me when we were watching parts one through seven? You understand what the better question would have been, Ryan, why did you not ask her in the first place uh, what it is she likes? I'm pleased to tell you I'm over here trying to be a husband like Christ, and so since then we've just been watching Disney cartoons and Hallmark movies. When Kelly and I were dating... It was common for me to fall asleep talking on the phone to her. I was like this sweet interrogating officer. You know, I just wanted to know every single thing about her. Somewhere along the line, I, I didn't ask as many questions. Brothers, we're, we're told here that the Lord is honored when we pursue an understanding of our wives. We're commanded, not just encouraged, brothers, we're commanded by Almighty God that we might, increasingly through marriage, live with an experiential knowledge of our wife. And I hope you know what that means. It's going to take Time. You and I are going to need to take time to learn how to honor our wives. If you're like me, you don't feel like you have much time. But somehow, men can find time. After work. Kicking up our feet. Time to ask that wife to bring us a sandwich. Because the game is about to be out. We got time. It's not wrong to be a hobby guy. But brothers, God calls us to be more like Jesus than a jock. He wants his husbands to be more like Jesus than Jocks. So that means if we can become experts at fantasy football, you can learn your wife. I want to encourage us all. I mean, I, I, I'm saying this as someone who wants to grow in this. Let's set aside. If it's the morning before our precious little hoodlums wake up. Or if it's after they get to bed, if it's a regular date time where we can learn her, somehow, brothers, find a way to learn how it is she's experiencing life right now. How it is that she's doing with each of the kids. How it is that you can 
grow in serving her. What it is that she's anxious about. I want to encourage us, if, if you haven't done something like this, to start a wife journal. And, and fill it up with observations that you've made of what, what are her favorite meals. Or her favorite Bible verse. Do you know which friends of hers make her laugh? Do you know which activities you can encourage her to do because it helps relieve her stress? The next time that you bomb at getting her a gift, put that down in that journal. This is the second time she didn't want a vacuum for Christmas. I don't know what to do. And that journal won't be for us to break out at first uh, Friday with the fellows to impress all the other guys how we're doing. That journal will be for her to bless her because we're learning and growing and living with her. Peter tells husbands to learn something else, though, and this is. This is really important. He tells us in verse 7 that we need to learn his perspective of her. Brothers, we need to learn how to live with our wives with God's perspective of her. To honor her as a weaker vessel. Not weaker intellectually, not weaker morally, most likely weaker physically. What he's saying is, men, we need to treat our wives differently than we treat cast iron men. That's not what... Our wives are supposed to be like. We're supposed to view them more as porcelain. Like really fine china. A porcelain teacup. Porcelain is not just weak. Porcelain is precious. And God commands us to learn how to honor our wives because your wife is precious to God. And and that should sober you. It sobers me. Because we are also told in Scripture That part of living as a man in this world and in marriage is that we are tempted strongly to treat our wives harshly. Well, I've done it before and it just shattered to pieces. Imagine it shattering to pieces. If you're ever in my spot, don't just shop at Amazon. <laughs> Look at descriptions there. 
many wives does God view as precious and their husbands are crushing and their criticism and their tone of voice and their expectations and their unforgiveness. Brothers, we are commanded learn how to honor our wives by living with them with God's perspective like she is precious. But the other thing it says in verse 7 is learn to live with your wife like she is an heiress of heaven. Like, like they are heirs with you of the grace of life. That is, that is, if you're married to a woman who's a Christian, you're married to a woman who is God's daughter. She will inherit heaven. What God is saying is you need to live with your wives with the perspective that the porcelain of God is also the princess of heaven. And how we talk to them and how we treat them and how we live with them should reflect that always. And he says, if you won't do this, I won't answer your prayers. I won't listen to you pray to me. God answers. Look at that. First Peter three, verse seven. I didn't come up with this. God is saying, I answer the prayers of the husbands who honor my daughters. Our spiritual resources are at stake in whether we're going to learn how to honor our wives like God wants us to. There's a lot more that should be said here just in this verse. And I want to encourage you after, after the service today or sometime this week, meet with somebody, talk with your family, talk about how you can grow in obeying this verse, but there's something else that God calls husbands to, and I want to get to that. And that is, God calls husbands to love like Christ. To love like Christ. So we're actually going to turn to the left in our Bibles, several books, to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 25. Ephesians chapter 5, turn left, past... Timothy and Thessalonians and Colossians and Philippians, Ephesians 5, verse 25 is where we'll start. That guy, Sonny from Godfather, do y'all remember him? He was a cheater. And Ike Turner was a bully. And Al Bundy had cruel jokes. Worldly husband number two is the jerk. The jerk. And sadly, we see him not just in movies and TV shows. God has called husbands to something very different. Look in Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, 
that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Did you hear the words where God is explicitly telling us he is calling us to copy Christ? He says it in verse 25 when he says, you should love as Christ loves. He says it in verse 28 when he says, in the same way that Christ did it, husbands, you are to do it. He says it in verse 29, you are to love just as Christ. Love, love like Christ. And take note, husbands, that we have five descriptions here of Christ-like love in marriage. First and foremost, Christ-like love sacrifices. Sacrifices. The worldly husband is a jerk. And he's a jerk because he just takes. That's what he does in marriage. He just takes. He's just in it for him. If he has any love at all for his wife, it's a contractual kind of love. And if she stops giving him love, then he acts like he owes her nothing. Brothers, let's not be jerks in marriage. The first word that shows up in God's dictionary of love is the word sacrifice. You've got it right there in verse 25. Christ loved the church. How? This is how he gave Himself up for her. Gave self for. That's the language of sacrifice. It's describing Jesus's death for sinners. That is the picture, brothers. We have to get in our minds first and foremost, if we're going to be a husband like Christ. It's laying our lives down for the good of our wife. God doesn't say we should give to our wives the understanding that she needs, the patience she needs, the gentleness she needs, the physical service she needs if she first does whatever. After or when she has done what you want her to do. What is love? We've gone through this before. I want you to memorize it. What is love in God's eyes? This is love. I give what I have that you need because God wants me to. Regardless of how I feel. It's sacrificing love. And brothers, what that means is. 
we can love like this. We can love like Christ when our wife is at her worst. Her being at her worst is no reason to not love her and give of ourselves. It is actually the exact context where we should be doing it. Because that is when Christ set his love on his church. Christ-like love sacrifices. Second, Christ-like love sanctifies. Sanctifies. That's a Bible word for sets apart as holy, reserves for God in holiness. Uh, uh, Someone who's totally pure and perfect in God's sight. Christ-like love sanctifies. The jerk husband has a goal to make his wife like the women on the screen. Or like the women of his dreams. God calls husbands to make their wives like Christ. Holy, without blemish or any spot, blameless before God. We're called to love like Christ who sanctified us. Now, we can't ultimately do this. The responsibility to, to actually accomplish this is not on our shoulders. It's Christ who sanctifies us. He is the one who set us apart as holy. He is the one whose blood cleanses us from all of our sin and guilt. And He is the one who will present us to God holy and blameless if we will be presented to God holy and blameless. But He is telling us in the same way, brothers, above all else, We are to prioritize our wife's soul. We are to wash her with the word. That she might not forget the gospel. That she might not forget her savior. That she might not go on in sin and worldliness. And friends, whenever Paul wrote this, take this in. Whenever God gave this to husbands, there was no husband out there who owned a Bible. In other words, no husband for hundreds of years could obey washing his wife with the water of the word through family devotions at home. He had to bring her where the word was. Which was in the church. Brothers, take this. Take this in. Understand, God is less concerned. With how you feel like your wife is doing. Being a wife to you today. He's less concerned about that. Than he is. With what you're doing today. To make sure she's safe on judgment day. To make sure she's walking with the word in the Lord. Encouraging her in Christ. Praying for her. 
Christ-like love sacrifices. It sanctifies. But then third, it supplies. It supplies. Not every guy likes his body. But verse 29 says every guy loves his body. That is, we nourish our bodies whenever we feel any kind of hunger. The moment we feel any kind of bodily need, pain, whatever, we will do what it takes to get out that cold as quick as possible. This is rough. Cooper, it's rough up here. I feel all alone. I'm going to try to get through this. Thank you. Whoever said that, thank you. Just preach to you the rest of the day. It says we're to nourish our wives. Husbands should be toward their wives like the mother is to her nursing child. That mother feels totally responsible, doesn't she? She carries this responsibility, this burden. I need to supply this child with everything they need to grow. God is using that word, the nursing child word, to describe how husbands are to love their wives. So, men, we should work hard. We should work hard, not so that our wife shows up and brand name couture or whatever. But to make sure that she has everything she needs physically. Food, clothes, shelter. But we're also supposed to supply. It is our responsibility before God to supply to our wives whatever she needs to grow spiritually. So, yes, now that we do have these Bibles, family devotions... We should be leading out in. But also, you should make a way for her to be at women's Bible study if that's what she wants to do. You should be the one who feels responsibility, not just her, to find childcare if she wants to go to BSF on Thursday and you're at work. You should be supplying spiritually and encouraging friendships with godly women who will facilitate her spending time with the Lord. You should make it happen. If she needs time alone, away from home or away from work or school in order to be nourished, in order to flourish, you should pick up her responsibilities until, or so that she can do that. Supplying love. But fourth, Christ-like love esteems It says cherishes, esteems. When Kelly and I got married, we engraved inside our wedding rings uh, this, this line from Song of Solomon. Mine says, I am my beloved's. And hers says, my beloved is mine. Our wives should not have to take off their wedding ring and look and just to have some sort of Reminder that we cherish them or literally are warm to them. Our esteem should be all over how we talk to our wives, 
how we look at our wives, how we touch our wives. She would know she's esteemed. Fifth, Christ-like love stays. Stays. Look in verse 31, whenever the explanation for this is given, Paul quotes Genesis chapter 2, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and, here's the word, holds fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. Christ-like love stays. Do you want to know something really awful? If we were to try to find staying love in this world, the kind of love that stays, what kind of relationship would we have to look at? Be the parent-child relationship, wouldn't it? The parents staying love for their children. And you should love your children in the staying way. But that is not what he says here. We should be able to look at a Christian husband's love for his wife and say that is what it means. It is the marriage relationship in verse 31, which calls us all the way back to page two of our Bibles. It's always been the marriage relationship that is the permanent relationship. It is the as long as we both shall live relationship. Children go off and get married and get into those relationships. But husbands and wives are to have a staying love. And husbands are responsible for cultivating a home where divorce is not even an option. We have a staying love for our wives because Jesus has that kind of love for his people. Guys, how are we doing? You know, it's convicting. And we should do these things. Because whatever God assigns, we will answer for. We will stand before Him and give an answer. Not only that, it says in verse 32 that this marriage relationship is this mystery that actually stands for something else. It actually reflects something else. He's saying it is referring. Marriage itself was designed for the purpose of bringing glory to God and being a display on this earth of Christ's love and his relationship for his church. That is what is at stake in our homes. That is what is at stake in our marriages. Do they tell the truth about Christ and his love for the church? Or do they not? Not only will we give an answer for it. Not only is it, is it God's display in this world of the gospel. But, but then you throw Satan into this. His very first target whenever he showed up on the scene was marriage. And he's still aiming. At marriages. You would be right to ask, how can I possibly, with all this pressuring, with all my weakness, and all my failing, how can I possibly love like Christ in marriage? Well, it's helpful 
to notice that God's calls in marriage follow what he said right before in God's equipping for marriage. Verses 25 to the end of the chapter are really applying verses 18 through 21. And I just want you to look back in verse 18. Verse 18, where Paul commands, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And then he gives these examples for how we can, what we can do if we are filled with the Spirit. And wives come in verse 22, this is how you can do this, and husbands, this is how we can do this. If we are filled with the Spirit rather than wine. You know what happens when someone gets filled with wine, the wine takes over. And what he's saying is the Spirit has to take over your life. So, Christian husband, we can learn like Christ, love like Christ, if we are filled with the Spirit. So that means, just like the drunk keeps on reaching for the bottle, the husband ought to keep on reaching for those things that pour the Spirit into us, to the Word to prayer, to fellowship in the church, the means of grace. I mean, honestly, guys, have you been husbanding in your strength with your ideas of what you should be doing, with your resources, or isn't it better? Don't you do better when you are intentionally pursuing the Spirit's filling like like a balloon can get fuller and fuller with air, Christians can get fuller and fuller with the Spirit if we have the word prayer in church in our lives. Well, normally my time would be up, but I've just given you two out of three calls that God gives to husbands. And I'm going to give you the third as well. Point number three, God calls us to lead like Christ. To lead like Christ. Worldly husband, number one, was the jock. Number two was the jerk. Number three is the joke. Everybody loves Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. Even his wife. Even though he was basically a fourth child to her. The joke is our world's favorite husband. Because the joke perfectly sets up the wife to save the day. Well, behind all of those TV shows and movies and the examples we've seen in our own homes... Of the husband who doesn't do anything. Who doesn't take any responsibility. God called husbands to copy Christ as the leader in the home. It's all the way back in Genesis. But it's mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 5. Just look in verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. Now we live in a day where. Headship, leadership, 
authority. These are four-letter words today. But beloved, authority is only bad when it's in bad hands or when those hands use it badly. Jesus gave an example of this. He said, godly leaders are not like the leaders of this world. We don't lord it over. We don't use our leadership for selfish gain. We are to use our leadership to serve those who we're leading. We're there to serve them. Jesus gave his life as a ransom to serve the spiritual well-being of his people. And after he did that, what did he say? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I've got it all. And friends, God wants Jesus to have it all. Authority is not bad in the right hands. And God trusts Jesus to lead and Jesus charges husbands to lead. Leading our wives doesn't mean we call all the shots. It doesn't mean we make all the decisions. It doesn't mean that she doesn't have any say or any influence. Kelly is one of my most trusted advisors. And I believe at times God reveals what his will is for a family through the circumstances and the desires and the expressions of of the wife. So that's not what leadership is. What is leadership then? The main word that we should think of when we think of this call to lead like Christ is this word, initiative. Initiative. Leading means taking initiative in the home. It means bearing the ultimate responsibility for the physical well-being of our wives, for the spiritual well-being of our wives. God calls husbands to embrace Ultimate responsibility in our homes. So what do you make of this stereotype out there that in churches, it's just the women who lead? In Christian homes, that it's just women who lead. It's the women who sign the couple up for small group. It's the women who make sure the family gets to church. It's the women who prioritize things that God prioritizes like hospitality. It's women who are made to feel like nags whenever they ask their husbands to lead the family in reading or in prayer. It's the women, I can tell you, who beg for counseling whenever something is going wrong in the marriage. Heaven knows. It's only women who share sermons on Facebook, which would be a little bit awkward on this one. Guys, initiate. I remember in year two of marriage, I got really angry. What I was angry about was that I was not a very good husband. I was angry because I had no examples of godly husbands around me. And I felt the responsibility to be one. And in the grace of God... Over the next few years, the Lord answered my prayer. And Jonathan taught me what it meant to learn his wife and how I could learn my wife. And Jim modeled what it meant to love his wife. And Michael and Steve modeled what it looked like to lead their wife. Brothers, if you want to grow into a husband like Christ, 
It's not going to happen overnight. But it can happen. God makes husbands in the church through the modeling of mature men in the church. So, you've got Mickey, you've got Michael, David and Dean and Bob and Travis and John and Corey and Jonathan. And, and there's, there's lots more by God's grace who are here in this church. We should praise God for godly husbands. And yet they're all just men. And the best men are failing. Do you want to know the, the best thing you can do if you want to get better at copying Christ in marriage? Staring into the sun. I told my wife that this morning. And she said, that's not a good idea to stare into the sun. And she's an optometrist. And so I'm going to listen to her. See, trying to lead, but with her counsel. I don't know if you've ever stared at the sun for a few seconds. And then you close your eyes. You know what you see? You still see the sun. God is calling us, brothers, to copy Christ in marriage. And therefore, what we need most is a life of close examinations of Christ. Because we cannot copy what we cannot see. The Lord made it work this way. He said, when we behold the sun, we are transformed from one degree to another into his image. We need to stare at God's Son. That He might be burned into the retina of our souls. Brothers, I want to encourage you to devote your life to staring at the Son who learned in the incarnation what it meant to be human. Who learned what we face the temptations we face, the weakness we have, when He took on flesh. I want to encourage all of us just to keep on staring at God's Son who loved us in the crucifixion. Brothers, if you're anything, be an expert, not on fantasy football or on hunting season or on whatever it is that's your hobby, work or whatever. Be an expert on the cross of Jesus Christ. Look at our Savior suffering for sinners there. And stare at God's Son who leads us now, having been exalted into heaven. And He offers us all His grace. So it is a great calling to be copies of Christ in marriage. And maybe you're like me and you feel like a failure. Remember, Christ is a husband. He is a husband to failing, hateful husbands. That's why we read Isaiah 54 earlier. Be not ashamed anymore. Be not afraid. That came right after God said that His Son would die on the cross. He can forgive you, brothers, for all your failures in marriage. 
He is a husband to wives who have been wounded by hateful husbands. He's the one who never leaves to the wife who's been abandoned by her husband. He is the one who will always be with you and bring you home to the wife who lost their husband. To every lonely person out there who can see that we would be lonely forever and ever because our sin would separate us from Almighty God on the day of judgment. Jesus Christ can be a husband to you. If you turn from your sins and trust in Him, He'll forgive you and He'll guide you in all that He calls you to. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word and we pray that You would use it to make the men of this church husbands like Christ. We pray that You would Cause us to depend upon Christ and stare at Christ and become more like Him for the good of our wives. God, we pray that an accurate proclamation of the gospel would happen in each of our homes. We ask this for your glory and for our good. Amen.